Amen. Please turn in your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 5. Kids, if you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't, there's one around you somewhere and you can share. Try not to mess around too much. But uh, I've been in church too. Not that I've ever messed around. I was going to say nobody was there to witness it, but my sister's here this morning. So, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Jesus is talking, uh, he's kind of preaching kids. He's preaching to a group of people, primarily his disciples, but there are others there as well. And he's sharing with them some things about what it is that his kingdom is. That he, he's telling them how it is, kids. Sometimes it's hard to understand uh, what somebody likes, what they think is best. But Jesus is laying it out for them. He's going to tell them exactly how he thinks things should go. And because he's Jesus, and Jesus is the king, it's important that the king be followed. It's important that the king gets the loudest voice. Uh, sometimes it's hard in families, sometimes kids, where uh, you have to decide on something and you wonder, well, who gets to decide? Uh, who's most important? Who has the best opinion? Well, let me make it clear. Jesus has the best opinion. <laughs> He's the one that should be listened to. He's the one. And everyone might think a little bit different. But in the end, when Jesus speaks, we should go, there it is. That's the answer. So we come uh, to this group of the Beatitudes, which means the idea that blessed or happy life, the things that will make you happy, kids. And sometimes that's hard too, right? How uh, We say, oh, this is what I really, really, really want. And then you get it, and maybe it wasn't what you really, really wanted, and it didn't work out so good, and it makes you mad, and you want something else. Um, Jesus is going to bring to us that which makes us happy. Uh, so we're in Matthew chapter 5. Please stand in honor of God's word. I want to read to you the first 11 verses, 12 verses. This is what God's word says, kids of all ages. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, he dis the disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, I ask your blessing on your word. Guide us through it. May your spirit be our teacher now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. 
So last week we went through uh, the first three of these uh, in the list of blesseds. Um, and now we are picking it up in verse 6. Verse 6. I want to remind you uh, of a few things. First of all, uh, this is the way to the happy life. Uh, as we roll in this morning, uh, most of us can put on a good show. How many of you are good at putting on a good show? Raise your hand. Uh, we are, right? Are you happy this morning? I feel great. Uh, sometimes we don't feel great and we like to make everyone think that we feel great. Not that you should come in and go, do you really want to know? You really want to know? Cause I just sit down for a minute. Cause I got some things I need to tell you. Oh no. You know, Eeyore, um, you know, and that kind of attitude. Oh, oh bother. You know, all that stuff. Uh, but, um, we struggle. We struggle with who we are. We struggle day to day. And we're constantly needing to go to the mind of Christ. We're constantly in a state of changing out what we're thinking for what God has said in His Word. Needing to hear from the King. We need Him. And I, I want to tell you, we can't get very far without needing Him. Some of us think, well, you know, I don't get anything going on in my life. I don't, I don't need to hear from God. Yes, you do. It's interesting to me that uh, some of the most depressed people in our world today are those that we consider having it all. Why is that? Because the basic need that we have, all of us have, apart from anything that can, this life can, is Jesus being our king. You remember uh, the last few, I guess, last few months, we've looked at the first couple of chapters of Matthew, and we hear uh, a theme or a, a message that keeps coming up. John the Baptist said it. Jesus went about preaching it. It was the message, repent, which means to change. It means to change. And kids, this is going to be hard for you because it's hard for your parents, too. We're constantly needing to change. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. It's sometimes uh, the change is something about you and the way you look at life. And Jesus is coming to these people and he's saying, you need to change. I want to show you something different. And if you will change and follow me instead of what you've been doing, Things will be different for you. There will be blessing coming to your life. Um, I want to start us out by reminding us of one important thing. We cannot change. We cannot change without Jesus. Can't happen. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you have been on that treadmill your whole life. You said, I'm going to do better. And it hasn't gone better for you, has it? You, you may have made a little bit of progress, but then you see the failings happen and you fall off the, the wagon, if you will. And you say, oh, it's just too hard. I can't be different. Real change comes from having a new king, from having a new life that he gives us. And as he shares with us the path of blessing, 
Do not think that it's you going attaining the new blessing apart from a relationship with Jesus. So here we come. Verse 6. Verse 6 says this. Let's look at it again. Everyone look down at it. Keep those Bibles open, kids. And if your parents shut theirs, help them find it again, okay? Uh, Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. What do you get hungry for? What What do you get hungry for, Pierce? Chocolate and other types of candy. Are there any other chocolate lovers here? Some of you didn't confess. Some of you didn't confess. Uh, some of you love you. You love those uh, those lists of healthy things. I've told you I like lists and stuff. And they say, "Oh, dark chocolate, and it's really good for you." And you're like, "Sweet, give me the four pound block, okay? Uh, it's good for you, you know. I'm just worried about my health, you know." Um, uh, chocolate. Oh man. Even at me saying that some of you are salivating right now, you know, some about Pavlov and all that stuff of ch- chocolate. I love chocolate. You know, I, you know, we like all kinds of things. Uh, some of us like to barbecue others like, uh, Italian food and various other things. And you just go, Oh man, I just yearn for it. I, I want it. It uses the the term hunger for it, and we all we all know how it is if we've skipped a meal or maybe we've worked extra hard and and we're just going, man, I just oh, I just want a good meal, I long for it, I yearn for it. Oh, it just sounds so great to me. Others of us use the other word too. We can imagine that on a hot day and it's dry out here in the high desert, and. Uh, and we, uh, you know, the allergies are kicking up and all that stuff. And we just go, man, I just, I want something to drink. I'm, my, my mouth is doing that cotton ball thing. And I, I just thirst after something. We know what it is to hunger. And we know what it is to thirst. Probably not as much as others. But we know what it is to hunger and thirst. There's other uh, appetites or desires too, Right? Some of us love certain activities, you know, and if we go too long, I know there's some horse people here. I don't understand you, but there's some horse people here. Um, and they, they would say sometimes, they would say, oh, you know, they look outside and they just go, oh, I just haven't had a time to go riding. And it's just such a great day. I just, I want to go riding. Other people have different things that they enjoy. They they like playing sports and they say, boy, it's just been too long. I just, I long to do this. Others of you just like watching it on TV. And you say, you know, this afternoon this is a good, good day to watch golf or to watch basketball or to watch football or whatever it is. I just want to sit back and relax and watch. Kids, some of you, you have things you like to do too. You, you have you want to play with a friend and you say, you know, I really, oh, I just can't wait until I get my friend to come over and we can play. Maybe you think of different activities that you like to do. Maybe you have a game coming up and you get super excited about it and you're you're wanting it so bad. You just say, oh, I can't wait. Maybe some of you like going to like Magic Mountain or Disneyland and it's killing you because you know it's coming in the future, but it can't get here fast enough. Others of you just like playing things. Maybe in, you say, oh man, my video games, I love it. In fact, some of you, when you get busted, your parents know that you love it so much that they take it away and, and they, oh, it just hurts. And they try to get you in line by taking away your video games. 
which I fully approve. I just want to tell you, I fully approve. Uh, I'm, I'm with your parents on that one. It's the idea of having this desire that you just want something. But what's interesting about all these things that we hunger again, we hunger again. Uh, is it really satisfying to have all these things? Well, sometimes it's a little bit, but it, it kind of leaves us empty too. I've even uh, had situations where I was so excited about something and then it came and went and then I was sad afterwards. I wasn't happy. I was like, oh, it's over already. Well, when can we do it again? I want you to look down at uh, Matthew chapter 5 and it says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll see in the word righteousness, kid, kids, kid, um, the word right, the word right. And sometimes it's hard to figure out what's right, right? Are you with me? Sometimes you get out on the playground and everyone's got a different opinion. And you say, well, I think this is right. Well, I think the rules are this. Well, I think, and you start arguing and you don't know who's right. Righteousness, when especially used in the scripture, is this. Right in the eyes of God. Right in the eyes of God. What He thinks. What He thinks. So put all this together, kids. It's the idea of hungering and thirsting, of wanting, of wanting what is right in the eyes of God. Right in the eyes of God. You know what? Most of the time we don't think that, do we? We say, what does everybody else think is right? I guess I'll do that. What uh, do my friends think is right? And probably the most common one is, what do I think is right? And that's what I'm going to do. But I want to tell you, kids of all ages, um, that he's not saying hunger and thirst for what you want. Hunger and thirst what everybody else is doing. And you will be satisfied. He's saying, no. Hunger and thirst. Chase after. Yearn for. What? What's right in the eyes of God. And you say, oh, so I don't get what I want. You do get what you want. Did you finish that verse? Look at it. Look at what it says. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. You see, kids, what we, what we want is we want that happy life. We want to be satisfied. It's the, the state of going, oh, yeah, that was good. Well, how does that come? It comes from us chasing after the very things of God, the things that He thinks are most important, the, the things that are right in His eyes, not what's right in our own. Um, sometimes you get hungry and you say, oh man, I'm so hungry. What if your mom or dad would, they wouldn't do this and don't try this at home. But what if they just went outside and they grabbed a handful of dirt and they put it in your bowl and say, eat. In fact, they, they say, well, no, I'm really hungry. And they say, okay. So they take the bowl outside and they put like three or four handfuls of dirt in your bowl. And they say, eat. You know what? You can get full eating dirt. But to be satisfied, to be satisfied, 
to be that sense of like, oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. This, I feel great because of what I have. That comes from God. You know why we struggle? Because we chase after things that cannot satisfy us. Jesus gives us the, the guidepost. He gives us the path. He gives us the map to the happy life. He says, chase after, yearn for the things that will really satisfy you. It's my righteousness. You say, well, appetites are just appetites, you know. Some people just have different tastes. And how do you change a taste? I'll tell you how you change your taste, okay? Stop eating. Stop eating the wrong stuff, okay? If you're choking down handfuls of dirt, you will be full and even good meals will sound like it's not that good. Stop eating the stuff at the trough, if you will, that will not satisfy and come and be blessed and and live that happy life where the king will feed you and you'll be satisfied. So, uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Number two, uh, that's verse seven. If you look this morning, he says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Now, merciful is a word uh, that is closely connected to the word we use a lot around here because it comes from the scripture, the word grace. Uh, that we need God's grace, His unmerited favor, that He doesn't give us what we deserve. But the idea of mercy is more talking about the application of that grace on our pitiful and pathetic state. Okay, There's a sense of, we are in a mess. We are in a mess. Now, you say, well... Yeah, I know I'm in a mess, but how should I, why should I show mercy, right? It's interesting. Who, who would you show mercy to? Think right now, people in your life that, in situations that you need to show mercy to. Who, who should you show mercy to? Think about that right now, kids. Where's a situation where you can show mercy? You know what, kids? Uh, sometimes you could show mercy on your parents, let me count the ways, you know, let me count the ways, show mercy on them. Kids, you know what? Sometimes you need to show mercy on your brother or sister. And it's not that game where you're wrapping their knuckles down like this and you're waiting for them to ask for mercy. And then you go, I will relent. Um, kids, this is the deal. This is the deal. It's super important for us to remember that sometimes, sometimes someone has done something wrong against you. Someone has failed. Someone has failed. They've hurt you. They've done something wrong. And you say, I want them to pay. I want them to pay. I I want them to get in trouble with mom and dad. I want the teacher to know. I want all our friends to know how dumb they've been. I want to put it up on the billboard outside of school that they were dumb in this way. I I want them to have to pay because they did something wrong. That's the time. That's the time, kids. That's the time. Adults, that's the time. In marriage, you say, well, it's not fair. Mercy's not about being fair. 
It's about showing mercy. It's about giving them what they didn't deserve in their pitiful and pathetic state. In their situation that they are in trouble. They are busted. Mercy says this. They deserve punishment and justice. But um, we instead show them mercy. We cover it. We cover it. What, what do you do when someone does something wrong in your house? You get the spotlight out, right? And you point it out. You point it out. And you say, look. And you sh- shine the spotlight on it. And you say, you missed a spot. You missed a spot. You blew it. And, and then you gather the whole family around and you have a meeting about it. And you say, this person missed a spot and I wanted everyone to see it. And then you make a memorial to it, right? A shrine, if you will. And you say, this is where somebody blew it in our household. And we want to remember this day forever. That's not mercy. It's not mercy. I think you already got it, right? You're saying, can we move on, please? Can we move on? Um, I I, want to point something out. This list starts with Jesus, right? It starts in relation. We can't do anything apart from Him, right? Who's the one who showed us mercy first? He did. He did. And you say, well, I don't like showing mercy. Hey, get used to it. Get real familiar with it. You know why? Because that's what you've needed and received from the Lord. And so what you get this picture here. Jesus says, hey, I'm the king. This is the way I do this. You're in relationship with me as the king. I want you to be merciful and you'll be blessed. And you say, well, how and why and what will happen? Look at verse 7 again. You look at verse 7. It says he wants you to show mercy and not demand justice. And what is the benefit of this? For they shall receive mercy. Receive mercy. You know what? Um, This is a picture that God says, I will continually be merciful to you. That's what's so interesting about salvation to me is that you, you come to Jesus and we come because we're a mess, right? And that he says, I'll save you. I'll, I'll take you in. I'll show you mercy and grace. I won't uh, chop you off and say, you're, I'm done with you. But then after you become part of his family, guess what? You still need mercy. Not for salvation, but you continue to fail. You continue to fail over and over again. And God says, my kingdom, the way I think, My son has come up to be the king, uh, come down to earth to be the king. And he sets up his kingdom and he says, this is how it works. He says, I want you to be merciful. It will be a blessing to you. It will be something good for you, for you will receive mercy. That's what I want. That's what I need. And so I need to be a dispenser of that, to be merciful. Number two, that was number two. Number three. Look at verse 8. Has everyone still got their Bibles open? We're a Bible church. You know why? Because God wrote to us. He had something to say. And so we look down at His Word. Um, I'm not making this stuff up, okay? Uh, Verse 8. 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. Kids, when you see that word heart, I realize that most of you uh, have looked at the pictures of people's insides. And you realize that the heart, what does the heart do? Anyone know? What's, what's it do? Lindsay? It moves your blood around. I like the way you said that. It's a pump. I was thinking the word pump, but she says it moves your blood. It's much more elegant than I would have said it. Moves your blood around, right? Uh, we also talk about the heart. It says, somebody, give me your heart. And, and we talk about love a lot when we talk about heart, right? We heart somebody or we love somebody, and the symbol is a heart. Well, all that is, when you look at the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when they talk about heart, most of the time, they are not talking about the pump. They are talking about mission control. The most important part of who we are. The inside, where where no one can see, but it's at the center of all that goes on. The, the heart in the Bible is not just connected to the blood. That's, that, that's the, you know, as we talk about the pump thing. But when the Bible talks about heart, it's talking about where everything starts. That place, that secret place where our mind is thinking. And not just thinking, but when we think about things, somehow they come and they come out through our mouth, and through our actions the way we live and the way we do things. And so what does this verse say? Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. That word pure is the idea of the clean in heart. The, the, The one who isn't all messed up in their heart, doesn't have a dirty heart. Wow. You know what's interesting uh, sometimes is that we think that the two are separated, that we can look good on the outside, that we can say the right thing, that we can do the right actions, and somehow bad stuff be going on in our hearts, be thinking bad about somebody in our hearts. We can talk bad in our hearts. We can see bad things and replay them as we're thinking in our hearts. And we say, it's only bad if it comes out. It's only bad if somebody notices because I open my mouth and it comes out. That's the only time it's bad. And Jesus says, let me tell you about how things work. Let me tell you about uh, how things work in my kingdom. Your heart is important. What goes on inside of you is important. So much so that he says, I want you to be clean, not on the outside, but on the inside. I want you to have that pure heart. Um, if you're struggling here today and you say, oh, my life's a mess. That's the problem. It's your heart. It's not something, it's not your environment. Uh, that may play into it. It's not your job. It's not uh, your spouse. It's not the weather. Uh, it's not because you didn't get enough sleep. It's because something's going on inside of you. And Jesus said, I want to tell you, blessed are the pure in heart. The ones who are clean on the inside. You know what? Can't do it without Jesus, right? Can't do it without Jesus. We've all tried. You know, we fought. 
say, I'm going to do better. And it hasn't worked out so good. He says, blessed the pure in spirit or the clean on the inside, the ones in their heart. As you look at this, um, you say, well, well, what is it? You know, what are the benefits? He says, uh, he goes on in verse eight, he says, for they shall see God. They shall see God. What does that mean? Well, ultimately, and this is how these Beatitudes work. This is how uh, this whole thing is. There's blessing down here, but ultimately it's with him. It's with him. Kids, this is super important for us to remember that life is not just about this moment, this moment. You you may think of this list, kids, and you go, well, I'm going to be clean in my heart right now. Where's God? Where's God? I I thought I was supposed to see God, you know. Merciful. You know, I need mercy, so I'm going to be merciful. And then why don't I receive mercy right now? The point of this list is not just that there's benefits here, and there is, there's benefits right now, but ultimately our benefits are put in a bank account in heaven forever. So see God. This idea of a clean heart is that the one that he gives, and as, as we pursue that down here and as we cherish that, ultimately we will be with him for eternity. The blessed are the uh, clean or the pure in heart. Number four. Number four. uh, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm going to end on this one this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers. When you see the word peace, most of the time we think uh, the opposite of that is war. And we think of war. And we think of those who come and somehow quiet the situation that the war is over and kind of bring two sides together. When we think of this, that's not a bad picture of what we're talking about. But I love the picture of shepherding as well. That it's the difference between those who stir up and those who quiet down. And he says to us, he says, if you want that happy life, if you want to understand what it is to be in my kingdom, if you want to follow me as the king, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, the peacemakers, the ones who can quiet down a situation, the ones who can forgive and cover, the ones who can settle someone down instead of serve someone up. Blessed are the, that's the place of happiness. Think about that right now. Are you struggling in your marriage? Are you struggling with other family members? Are you struggling at work? Are you struggling, kids, with your brothers and sisters? Look at the scripture. And what does it say? Blessed are the peacemakers. And you say, well, they're wrong, though. They're wrong, though. And how do you be a peacemaker with someone who wants to keep fighting? I want to tell you, it becomes a one-sided war. A one-sided war. And it's no fun to fight with someone who won't fight back. It's no fun when someone's always trying to make peace and you're trying to make war and you just go, oh, this isn't as fun as fighting with them anymore. I want to ask you, I'm not asking for you to answer out loud, are you the peacemaker in your family? 
Are you the peacemaker? In your relationship with your wife, are you the peacemaker? Are, are you uh, kids when uh, there's stuff going on in your home and everyone's arguing? Are you the one to say, hey, it's no big deal. We can, we can figure out a way to get through this. This isn't a big deal. Let's find a compromise. Let's, let's move on. This is, I'd, I'd rather not fight because this is important to Jesus. Jesus wants me to be a peacemaker. And you say, well, that seems pretty hard. It is, but not with, you're not called to do this alone. In fact, I think this is interesting. What does he say will come to the peacemakers? For they shall be called sons of God. And you say, well, what does that mean? Sons of God is the idea, a picture of children of God, children of God. And you say, well, how does being a peacemaker, it's real easy. It's real easy. What does God do? What is his purpose? As he sent his son Jesus to this earth, why did he send Jesus? And you say, well, to save people, right? And, and one of the things that he would say is that I came to bring peace to people who had no peace. And they're inner peace, right? They were mad uh, in themselves. They were mad with others. They were mad at the world, right? They were struggling with sin. And so he brought peace where there was none. There was this inner turmoil that would just start wound up inside. And it, Jesus, because of the Father's plan, brought peace to us who had no peace. So Romans tells us. And as you think about this, Do you see a family resemblance here? Do you see a family resemblance? You know that what that looks like in families. I I had a friend growing up. It was interesting to see he had a his him. He was the younger brother. He had a much older uh, brother, and then his dad. And I saw the three of them walking together one time. And and it it was just one of those pictures. They were walking away. They all walked the same. They kind of looked the same. They kind of had the same hairdo. One was grayer, and then it kind of went down from there. And they had the family resemblance. Guess what? If we're to follow after Jesus, if we are to embrace him as king in his kingdom, guess what? There will be a family resemblance, and we will be peacemakers. Because that's what God brought to us. That's what it is to be a part of his family, to be a peacemaker. We'll stop there um, and we'll uh, keep plugging away next week. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the kids that are here in our midst. Uh, So great to have them. God, I pray that they would receive Jesus as king, that they would embrace their place in his kingdom, that they would want to be marked by him and not by the sinful world. God, lead us as parents and grandparents and older uh, folks that, that set examples to them, that we would cling to Jesus ourselves and experience the benefits of the happy life that come from Him. God, thank you for this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we leave, I just want to remind you um, that we're taking an offering for our Poland team. And please be generous. We want to uh, push them over the top, not over the edge. You are dismissed. Thank you for being here today.